Blog Talk Radio. Once again, to another edition of Boston College Radio here on BC Interruption. Pardon the BC Interruption. My name is Dan Rubin, joined tonight once again by my co-host, AJ Black. And, you know, it's a beautiful thing because last week we were talking about how we were getting ready for football. And it's football time. There's real football this weekend. On Saturday, the Boston College Eagles take on the main Black Bears in the first game of the 2015 season. Uh, A.J. Steve Adazio said it best this week when he said, hey, it feels great because you get into the lethargy or you go through the motions in in training camp, but there's a finite thing at the end of the week. There's a team coming in that doesn't wear your uniform. Yeah, this is no more scrimmages. It's all all live now. No no more practicing. We have the depth chart all set up. We have you know they're 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 doing game situations now. They're getting ready. Adazio is um, he sounds like he's getting the troops uh, set up and ready to roll against Maine on Saturday. We're seeing tweets from game ops about all sorts of things about you know going on for this week in um, BC athletics. So you know I'm getting really excited. I'm t- I'm done with with baseball. Well, I was done with the Red Sox back in June. Um, I'm done with. You know, NFL preseason. Give me my college football and give it to me now. <laughs> I am I am very much in the same. Every morning I wake up and the first words out of my mouth are "Gimme, gimme, gimme, gimme," and usually that's just for a cup of coffee. <laughs> but the second words after I get my coffee is "Gimme, gimme, gimme." Strictly for uh, real college football, real action. The games count. If you if you mess up from here on out, it, it will hurt you. And uh, certainly that's something that we will talk about over the course of the season. But for right now, we're, we're mainly talking about the fact that we're looking at Saturday. There's a lot to get to when we talk about Saturday against the main Black Bears. And it starts really with the fact that, that we're talking about a Boston College team that's so unknown on offense. We talked about a little bit about it last week. Uh, we, we talk about it over the course of our posts this week, this week on BC Interruption. AJ, the depth chart came out. I don't think there's any real surprises but there are names on there that none of us know and maybe won't know or say, who are they heading into Saturday? Yeah. You know, the thing that struck me was there was a ton of uh, freshmen, redshirted freshmen and sophomores on that depth chart. You look at the sophomores, um, especially up and down um, the secondary, the, there's some on the offensive line, they're everywhere. Uh, So there's a lot of people that, you know, BC fans, unless you're a nerd like we are that sit, sit around and dissect recruiting news and look at depth charts and, and watch game film, you know, there's going to be a lot of guys out there that you, you, we've, you know, we've never seen play live and we've never seen what they're going to look like. Um, and I think that's exciting. You know, someone on the blog a couple of weeks ago was like, yeah, I saw Darius Wade. He sucked. And I'm like, you have not seen Darius Wade. You saw Darius Wade play garbage time against UMass and Louisville last year. That doesn't count. Rip on the kid because you saw him throw, you know, four passes in meaningless games with, you know, the third at, third uh, string 
wide receivers out there with him. You know, he, we haven't seen what he can do. We have not seen what he can do in real game situations. It's going to be exciting. You know, even if it is Maine, you gotta, you gotta pick the good with the bad. It sucks that we're playing two FCS schools right off the bat, but it'll be a lot of fun if you're into watching rosters and, and progressions. Well, I think the the key for this weekend is that, and this is something I've talked about at length, and I think I'm I'm tempering my tune the closer to Saturday that I'm that we're getting, and and it actually started for me. If you go back a, a couple of months, um, we talked a lot about how Darius Wade would play in the offense. We talked about a, a lot about, and, and I wrote a whole post about it, and I digested it by looking at the way that Florida played under in offense under uh under Steve Adazio. And I said, you know, how does he react in read action? How does he play in read action? And then I got to thinking more about it, you know, rather than than stick to my guns, I'll even backtrack if you want to accuse me of it. But the the thing that I guess I'm saying is that heading into this week in this particular game, we're looking at a a Boston College team that we can't predict. We simply just don't know. We don't know what the offensive series are going to be. We can reasonably predict it. We can reasonably talk about it. But the truth is, we simply don't know what Boston College has in store with Darius Wade, with the running backs, with the receivers. We knew right off the bat last year, we went into last year thinking that they were going to line up and power eye and single back formation and pound the rock. And they didn't do that. They came out and played a, a pistol option. So we don't know what we're going to be seeing out of this team. And I think that adds to the excitement. You know, I, I've said, well, they're going to run read option. They're going to run the same offense. This is what they ran last year. And AJ, I'm going to backtrack on it because Todd Fitch, new, new personnel all around. It, I said it last week. Let's just put it to bed because we don't know what BC is going to be this year. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I'm not going to pretend I know what they're going to do, because I think the one thing that Adazio has done really well the last two years is mask what his schemes are going to be. You know, we had an idea last year that they're going to go read action, uh, read option, excuse me. But then we go into the Florida, I mean, into the UMass game, and we don't see very much of that. We see ground pound and it, you know, you're like, where is that, that, that option offense? You didn't see much of it. You go into the second game and the third game and then boom, USC, we see this whole flushed out offense that we hadn't. And I start to suspect that we're going to see things like that this year. Maybe we're going to see the first two games, Wade being more conservative with the ball, or maybe we'll see the other way. We'll see Wade chucking it up and down the field. And then we get to FSU and we're going to see a whole different offense. I think that's the the kind of subtle genius that Adazio has. And I, I don't want to use that word with him yet, but I, I do respect the way that he masks his offense. With Spaz, you knew exactly what you're going to get from day one. With with Jagodzinski, you knew what you were going to get. It wasn't a surprise. Adazio, he's got tricks up his sleeves. He has, uh, you know, gimmick plays. He's got everything. And, and he'll, he'll unleash those at any time, at any place. And I think that's what's going to be exciting about this year. Well, we already got calls coming in on the line, so we're going to jump right to the phone lines. We got one coming in from the from the the South Land down there in Florida. We're going live to the two three nine area code. Hey, how you doing? You got Dan and AJ. It's the beginning of the season in college football. Hey guys, how you doing? You guys do a great job. Follow you both on Twitter. Uh, it's an exciting week. Looking forward to Saturday. Oh, we are we Thank are pumped. Yeah, uh, I wanted to tell you, you guys kind of alluded to it just a little bit earlier, and obviously there's a lot of personnel changes on the offense, uh, you know, especially the offensive line and quarterback. 
But can you talk a little bit more about what you're expecting uh, for changes with Todd Fitch as opposed to uh, Ryan Day, the pros, the cons, what we might miss about Ryan Day, and what we think that Todd Fitch will be able to bring to us, aside from being able to, to recruit from Florida? You know, I think Fitch and Day are going to be pretty similar. They both ran very similar offenses. Um, you know, I mean, they're, they're both going to be running. I think Adazio has ideas in his mind. He's an offensive-minded coach. Um, and I think he's got a philosophy that he wants to set up with the Eagles. And I don't think, I don't think it matters if it's Ryan Day, if it's Todd Fitch. You know, neither of those guys are going to be those top-flight offensive coordinators that are going to call their own systems and, and make coaches change to what they're doing. So I'm not expecting Fitch – to really shake things up. And I know Dan might have a different viewpoint on that, but, um, you know, I think, you know, he's going to utilize, you know, a lot of the game clock strategies that Fazio tried to do a lot of last year where he, um, you know, wanted to control the ball, keep his defense off the field. I think he's going to do that again. I don't, I don't ever see BC becoming a team like Oregon that is going to score points for them you know, lightning quick. It's not the way that Adazio wants to run his offense. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I, I tend I tend to agree a little bit. I do think that Todd Fitch is going to take a totally different dynamic into the offense. Um, I know that, that Ryan Day had spent a lot of time with Steve Adazio. Um, first he was with him at Temple, then he came with him to Boston College. So you're, you're looking at a guy who who had really been bred into the Adazio system. Uh, so what you saw last year was a lot of what Steve Adazio really wanted to run. I think Todd Fitch uh, is going to be substantially different. Um, I know that he's a guy who you know, spent some time uh, through a number of different programs. He was the offensive coordinator uh, down in South Florida. He, I believe he's been involved with, uh, with Skip Holtz uh, out in uh, – he went with Skip Holtz, I should say, from East Carolina over to, uh, over to South Florida. So he's a guy who's worked for a number of different coaches. What I think about Fitch, though, and what I think the offensive coordinator job is going to be, and this is where it might be substantially different – is the evaluation of the talent. And, I, and what I mean by that is that you have, to, you have to game plan and game plan the strengths around what you have. If you're looking at a small fleet foot offensive line, you run a little bit more uh, triple option, so to speak. You get the linemen out into, into space and you have them block into space. You can't just stand up and, they, and the, since they're undersized, they might get run over a little bit if they just stood up. So I think with the offensive coordinator job, there's going to be a lot of performance evaluation and then tailoring how they're going to play based around that and based around the deficiencies of the, of the opponent. It's going to be really interesting to look at the intricacies of it and, and kind of get the feel for where it's going to go. Um, but, you know, it's all going to depend on how the players play, too. It's always going to be a player's game, so they'll dictate where the coaches want to take it. I agree with you guys, and I appreciate the time. And just one more quick side note. I actually got the, had the opportunity to watch a lot of Michael Walker play high school football, and I think we got a good one here. I think he's going to be very dynamic for us. He's going to be a uh, – if I could compare him to anybody, I think he's going to be a, a much better David Dudek. A much better, uh, much better version of Dave, David Dudek than David Dudek is. I think Michael Walker is going to be a stud at BC. That was something that interested me. Well, I didn't really touch on it that much on the depth chart post that I put up earlier, but he was a name that I didn't hear much about. And I, and I, I plead guilty here that I didn't get to go to any of the scrimmages because of my other job. Um, but I was surprised to see Walker on there, and I'm interested to see what Adazio is going to use, use him for. Um, you know, he was a name that um, – you know, going into the recruiting year, I, I was excited to see him. I, he's a Florida kid, right? 
Yeah, Naples, Naples, Florida, yes. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I, it'll be interesting to see what his role is going to be, um, especially with all the wide receivers that are hurt right now. We're down Harrison Jackson. Uh, we're down uh, Ben Glines is out for the next six to eight weeks. And Chris Garrison, who is going to be that kind of hybrid tight end wide receiver, he's out for a significant amount of time. And I don't know if either of those two are going to play. It's, you know, it sounds unclear whether Adazio is going to try to get them into the season or if he's going to redshirt him. Um, but that that's going to open up a whole door for Michael Walker and other kids that are, haven't gotten a lot of playing time or haven't had the experience yet to play in this offense. Well, hey, we we appreciate the call. We're gonna we're gonna actually dive into that a little bit more with the wide receivers. So uh, we're gonna let you go, but we appreciate the call. Call in uh, frequently and often. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for the time. Absolutely, you bet. You know, AJ, you bring up the wide receivers, and that's actually something, uh, or the caller brings up the wide receivers too. And you know, that's one of the things that I that I really like to to touch on is that you know the the wide the way I feel about the wide receivers is yeah, they're they're really undersized at least of the and smaller and and what I mean by that is you got a lot of small freshmen and sophomores. You get a guy like Dad Smith who's five foot nine. Sherm Alston is is really small. Drew Barksdale's not six feet. Dave Dudek's not six feet. Michael Walker barely six feet. Uh, you're looking at guys that you know are smaller, undersized, a little bit more fleet-footed, and a little more shifty-style receivers. But what I like about this is that my my vibe is that all of these guys are really pushing each other. You don't really hear about you, you hear about a couple of guys who are separating themselves, but you don't hear as much about the the competition in, in that in that you know well this guy's standing out and this guy really went at it went after it in practice at, at this guy's spot and he was running this guy's roots what i feel like is that you can take out Thad Smith put in Charlie Callanan Charlie Callanan who had a beautiful touchdown catch by the way last year um i on a slant i i don't remember who it was against but if you take out Thad Smith you put in Charlie Callanan they each bring different positives and they're going to be able to play off of each other which is something that Boston College lacked over the last 2 years yeah, you know, I I think you know when we looked at the uh, the wide receivers last year, it was you know Sherm Alston, as you said, the undersized receiver who who's not going to be a guy as much as other people want him to be. It's going to go down the field. He's going to be the short end around. He's going to be a guy that's going to get um, you know those you know um, screen passes, things like that. And then you had Shaquem uh, Phillips who played on the outside. And then you had the big guys. You had the Charlie Callanan. You had last year was Dan Crimmins and Josh Bordner. And I don't, you know, other than Callanan, the guys are a lot different this year. You're seeing, um, you know, Callanan's going to be there, but you're going to have Thad Smith. He's a smaller guy. You're going to have uh, Sherm Alston again. And you're going to have guys out there that are not going to be the physical big receivers. And I wonder how that's going to affect our running game, what that's going to do um, for, for those plays that are going to try to spring it on the outside. If, if these guys like Stad Smith can make those blocks on the outside, I think it'll be interesting to watch. Well, one of the things that, uh, that, that coach had mentioned to us off, offline, and, and by the way, I, I know I haven't mentioned it, but if you would like to call, because we've already had one caller, give us a buzz at 646-200-0446. That's 646-200-0446. And, you know, we, we, we talk about the offensive line, and this is something, again, Coach kind of pointed this out to us, is that they're undersized. You do have a bunch of six foot seven guys. You have Jim Cashman, who's 6'7", 302. Jimmy Hendren's behind him. He's a redshirt freshman at 6'7", 
And Dave Bowen, who's the only senior. I oh wait, no, Harris Williams is a senior too. But uh, Dave Bowen, who's six seven, two eighty nine. None of these guys are three hundred pounds. They're going to be tall and they're going to be really strong in their size. But you're looking at a number of guys that maybe aren't going to be able to go head to head with defensive linemen who are coming at them. You know, those defensive linemen, they're they're going to be coming at them straight up the gut. They're going to be coming. They're going to be bringing it. So when you're thinking about over the course of the season, undersized offensive linemen, you know, that is definitely you're you're going to have to get creative. And maybe that's where the smaller wideouts, the Y backs, they all they all will play a role. Maybe in the shorter pass patterns, a little bit more ag- agility behind, uh, coming out of the quarterback position. Uh, and by agility, I mean take a couple steps left, take a couple steps right, and not just use blazing speed. I think it's uh, again, it's going to be really interesting what we see out of Boston College because it's all going to be dictated by what happens on that offensive line. Did I did I already lose AJ? I think I might have lost AJ, but we will. Uh, we, I, did I? I think AJ. Did I lose you? I think I lost you. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was being kind of stupid and kind of uh, deleted myself. Um, I think Good we have job. a special guest. Right we on do. time too. We do right on time. So I was going to queue it up for you for the and then we will bring it back. But because this is all your fault, we will. Uh, we won't do it that way. So thanks a lot, AJ. Really appreciated that. But instead. Yeah, and- <laughs> Before we get to them, um, just to let, just to have a cross promotional plug um, for people online, we're actually hosting. I'm ho- I'm actually hosting this on Periscope as well for people who want to listen. Uh, so, does that mean we're going to be? Uh, if, if that means I'm going to I'm going to look at you, I might hang up everything and just go right to Periscope. Uh, no, right now it's actually showing our dashboard, which is probably better than looking at my ugly face. But right now, I think um, maybe the fans like that. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Right. I've well, gotten any. Well, well, we will we will go cut over we will go cut over to our phone line and with that we bring in the voice of the Boston College Eagles, Mr. John Meter Perel. Welcome to BCI Radio. I feel like we're uh, you're legitimizing us today. Oh, I don't know about that, guys. Sounds like you guys got a good battle going down there, though. <laughs> uh, it's most, it's mostly just AJ against his uh, against his technology. Well, hey, that's uh, welcome to the welcome to the world, I guess. But thanks for having me. I'm I'm very excited for the season. Should be a tremendous uh, tremendous year. I'm really looking forward to it. I know people don't think BC is going to be that big of a player in the ACC, but I say, you know what? That's exactly where they want to be. Well, John, you're the uh, you 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 get to watch this team uh, a, a lot from a lot different and a lot better angle at times than than we get to. We, we've talked a lot about the fact that we get the. Uh, we talked a lot about the offense, and the offense seems to be really under the under the microscope, so to speak, in year three. A lot of Steve Adagio's recruits who are very young, but when you get to watch this team and you and you kind of get the first impressions of it through uh, through training camp, what do you see out of the offense in terms of, of just how they're lining up, chemistry, all that good stuff? I think chemistry's coming together pretty well. I mean, there's no doubt they're raw, guys. I heard you talking about the offensive line before, and and you're right. I mean, that's clearly where this season is going to be predicated. If you get good production and and that line gels early with Dave Bowen, John Baker, Frank Taylor, Harris Williams, Jim Cashman, throw Chris Lindstrom in in the mix, maybe Sam Schmall, James Hedren, I mean, there's some good players in that mix. Just because they haven't played that much doesn't mean they're not good. It just means the BC was deep up front last year. And, you know, I think Williams 
is a terrific player. Just uh, uh, obviously last year that was a key injury in a weird way, though. I think it's helped by the fact that that it almost helped him. Uh, you know, obviously you don't want to see anyone get hurt, but he would probably tell you he'd say, you know what, I'll take it. I'm back for a full year. I can enhance my draft status. I get another year in school, and I'm ready to go. And I think he's really relishing the leadership role. Uh, it's going to be very important for him to get that group cohesive early. But the best thing about this guy is, I mean, I know there's a lot of talk, and I read your site, and people are upset with the fact that BC's playing two FCF games. But you know what? I look at that as a bonus. I see that's a great opportunity to go 2-0. You get your offensive feet under you. You score, who knows, you score 80 points combined. I'm just throwing that number out there against Maine and Howard. You go into Florida State. You catch the Seminoles napping. You pull an upset. You're 3-0, and and you get a rocket boost. Absolutely, that is uh, that is something that I think we we've we've talked about at least as a positive this year that 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 a lot. Oh, I know AJ and I offline, I should say, have talked about it a little bit as a positive that you don't want to open the season with with Florida State just on that on that basis. I guess it's it's a uh, if you're talking if you're talking Boston College and you're talking young guys, it's always good to to get the real reps in because nothing replicates those uh, the the real reps in a real game. Absolutely, and you know it's hard to tell with anything. I mean, watch the NFL preseason. You, for preseason, you can barely tell how good a team looks. A team could be four and zero. That could be the most deceptive thing that you've ever seen. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. Similar in college, when they're going, you know, you're going offense ones versus defense ones. The defense is always going to be ahead of the offense. I mean, go back to, to you can go back to Matt Ryan's senior year. I remember. Uh, like it was yesterday when Ryan's offense was absolutely terrible that preseason. And people were in a semi-panic, what are they going to do? Is Matt Ryan going to adjust to Steve Logan? You know, it's a whole different offense that Tom O'Brien was running. How'd that work out for BC that year? And that defense was outstanding. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, it's always the case. You can talk to any coach in the country, how many players he's got coming back on offense. The defense is usually always ahead of the offense. And that's, Exactly the case for BC. I saw glimpses on Wednesday in the final scrimmage of a of an explosive type offense. The defense didn't blitz. That might have had something to do with it. Definitely had something to do with it. But they needed a confidence builder. And I think, as you guys well know, they get a lot of explosiveness on this offense that we haven't seen for many years. You start with number six, Sherm Alston. That type of player BC hasn't seen for years. And I think he's going to have a huge year. We are talking with the voice of the Boston College Eagles, Mr. John Meter Perel. AJ, I, I, I feel like you, 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 we got to we got to get you in on this. It's not too often we get a we get a uh, we get a special guest on here with us. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts? What, what do you What do you got for us? I wanted to ask John. Um, you know, we have a different quarterback this year, and and from all accounts, it sounds like Wade is going to be a different quarterback than Chase Reddick and Tyler Murphy. What do you see? Uh, what have you seen from him um, at the scrimmages? And what about some of the other quarterbacks, guys like uh, Troy Flutie and Jeff Smith? Yeah, I've been impressed with Wade. Even in his mop-up duty last year, we didn't see him much. He only threw eight passes. To me, he looks like he's very composed. He's a natural athlete. He's got a heck of an arm. I mean, you know, what what can you tell from from warming up before games? You can tell their arm strength, and we see it every game. Last year, he was throwing ropes. And he throws a terrific deep ball. He's got a good touch. It all—it's all about 
is getting out there and commanding the huddle and growing in the leadership role. And that's huge in this Steve Adazio offense. He preaches it. I think that's where he's a little bit concerned about Troy Flutie. I know he's a little, I don't know if upset's the right word, but he was a little bit worried about his development in the leadership area in preseason camp. I think he was very intrigued by Jeff Smith, and he'll continue to be intrigued by Jeff Smith, hence the move by uh, Elijah Robinson to the ex-receiver spot. And I think that that's another whole added element to the BC offense now that Robertson is playing receiver. But, you know, I like the quarterbacks. I think you've got to give Wade a good chance. He'll go out there. I think he's going to have a big game on Saturday. I think you're going to see more play action out of him. Uh, I think you're going to see him throw some deep balls. I think you're going to see him incorporate Alston. You're going to see him incorporate Thad Smith. You're going to see him incorporate Charlie Callahan, Elijah Robinson. I think all those guys, you might see an air show, believe it or not, on Saturday. I mean, Clearly, they'll go with their bread and butter early, but I wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at all to see BC open it up a little bit in these first two games. Why not give Wade the confidence he needs? I think he's got a very bright future. Again, we're talking on BCI Radio with John Peter Perel, the uh, the play by play voice of uh, of the Boston College Eagles. You can hear him on Monday nights uh, on WEEI eight fifty a.m. from seven to eight. Well, if you're in the area, live down at the Stockyard Restaurant as he hosts the uh, the Coach Adasio show down there, John, that's going to be pretty exciting. You you get the uh, the airtime, you get the, some 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 QT as they call it with the coach, and and get to hear things from his perspective outside of a, of a press conference situation. Yeah, it was a lot of fun last night, guys. I encourage you and your listeners to come out. I appreciate the plug too, and it's it's. It's actually, you know, and this is, I credit Coach Adazio, he wants it to be known as the BC Football Radio Show because, and featuring Steve Adazio, and he sees it as an all-encompassing uh, BC show. As he says, I just want to talk ball. He just loves to talk football. We sat there for the last, you know, 10 minutes talking NFL last night. We were talked about, talked about how some of the ex-BC players got cut yesterday, like Chase Reddick and Manny Espria and Al Louis Jean, guys like that who were trying to, trying to push towards the NFL, but Adazio wears his emotions on his sleeve. He's a tremendous interview. He's not going to just give you the pap that you always hear from any coach around the country, for that matter. He, and, you know, it, it, it's very easy to talk to him, and it makes you know makes our jobs easier. And he's colorful, and he's energized, and you know, it's a huge part of the program. He always says, look, we're a team. He hates it when anyone just talks about the offense or anyone just talks about the defense. It's all about team, team, team. He just pounds that into his players. He pounds that into his coaches. And that family atmosphere at BC, he's brought that back with family meals. He's brought it back with, you know, wives coming to meals, with kids coming to meals, making sure that players recognize that BC football is a family. And they lost that for a few years. It was not there, and now it's back. And to his credit, he's building it that way. Well, you can hear John as well during the uh, on the on on the radio broadcast uh, every Saturday. As I get completely tongue-tied by that uh, on uh, the uh, IMG Boston College Sports Radio Network, alongside uh, Pete Cronin and, and uh, Scott Mutrin, and you know Pete's been there a while. And John, you're coming up. Uh, you've been with you've been with uh, the program for for what 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 doesn't feel like you know a decade or so, and. You, you really get to see the, the change in the transformation of Boston College through the different eras. Like you said, now it's Steve Adazio's program and, and his stamp on it. And it's got to have been interesting for you when you go back to the beginning and think about how things were at the beginning, cruising through the middle, and now to, to where you are today, just how things uh, transition and change, not, not maybe better or worse, but just different. 
No, it's my first year was the first year of BC in the ACC in 2005. My first game was at BYU, and I remember just being, you know, unbelievably awed by the atmosphere. I don't know if you guys have ever been out there, but I recommend that trip to anybody. Provo is a beautiful place. Uh, it was you know, nestled in the mountains of Provo, Utah. Quentin Porter at quarterback, Matt Ryan on the sidelines as a backup. Uh, Tom O'Brien with a terrific team, and that team was very good. And, you know, Matthias Kiwanuka coming off the edge. They were pretty much loaded. I remember thinking, damn, is it always going to be this good? And, you know, you, you kind of got complacent there for a while because Tom O'Brien, like him or not, the guy won. And, you know, I know a lot of BC fans gnash their teeth about some of the bad losses, and there were bad losses. We all know that. But the guy was 75 and 45. And you talk to Steve Adazio, you talk to any future BC coach for that matter, and they'll tell you, I'll take that in a heartbeat. And that's where the program needs to get back towards. And I think they're headed that way. There's no doubt about it. I've seen a lot of great games. I've seen some not-so-great games. I mean, that, that the 2012 year was just a horror show. And, you know, and that was clearly something needed to be done. And Adazio, I think, is, is the perfect guy for this program. He's, and not only that, the staff is terrific. You talked to – I was down at the ACC Media Day in Pinehurst – in late July, talk to anybody down there, any media member, they say, man, BC's got one of the top three staffs in the conference. And I totally agree with that. And, you know, it starts, you want to talk energy, you got Don Brown on the defensive side. You know, Todd Fitch is the offense coordinator this year. That should be a relatively easy transition. Adazio keeps a very close eye on the offense. He's basically, it's basically a co-coordinator for that matter. Uh, so, you know, I think the engine's purring nicely here. And, you know, going back to when I first started, it was like it was like that with Tom O'Brien, and then you hit those bumps, you know, in the, in the Spaz era and in the late Jagosinski era, uh, and they're finally, you know, they're getting back on track now. So I think there's a lot of good things to come. Peter, uh, I got one question for you, and then we're gonna we're gonna bring it home. Um, you know, looking at the the depth chart this week, there's a lot of young guys out there that maybe BC fans aren't familiar with they may not have had playing time they were redshirted they're freshmen you know watching the scrimmages what were some of the who were some of the guys that kind of jumped out to you um either on offense or defense that you're gonna you know the bc fans should get themselves aware of as the season starts definitely zach allen who'll be wearing number two defensive end i thought that was a steal when they got him he was going to northwest and then he decommitted you know he's come he chose bc i think that was huge uh, basically that whole front seven they have right now, they're that too deep in the front seven, guys like Wyatt Ray, I think Malachi Moore is going to have a big year. I think Kevin Cavillac going to have a huge year. I love Evan Kelly, what what he looks like. I think he was very productive at FCS with Richmond, a good program, backing up Connor Wojak. I think Ray Smith will make a steady contribution. Harold Landry could be a beast. I mean, that kid, I'm telling you guys, he could be a first-round pick. And and I think, as Adazio described to us yesterday on the show, Mehdi Abdesmad has been unblockable the last week, and he looks like he's ready to explode. So you talk, you want to talk about a really stout front seven? BC's got it. Milano, Daniel, Schwab. I mean, Strezak's a backup right now behind Schwab. Strezak's a very good linebacker. Connor Strahan has a very bright future. He's behind Daniels. I think Grice and Bletzer are great athletes. They're behind Milano. And you know what? The secondary is pretty solid, too. I mean, Isaac Eidem, uh, Justin Simmons, John Johnson, Cameron Moore. 
And Tang Tang's played well in the preseason. They love Lucas Dennis. I think he was a steal, too, coming out of Everett, keeping him in the backyard. You know, I, I think the defense is the least of their problems. I mean, you guys have seen these stats. I was looking at it today. Just go back to last year against Power 5 opponents. The defense allowed just 3.8 yards per carry. That was second in the nation. They only allowed 94 yards on the ground last year. I think that number could go down this year. Well, that that if, when you talk when you talk like that, it's it's really hard to not get excited about this about this season, even though we're already excited and you're just making it worse on us. What can I say? <laughs> we're, we're, can it be Saturday yet? Yeah, you know what? It's great. It's always like that before week one, guys. It's it's great. You know, I, I'm sure you'll be at the Heights Saturday, and it's it's hopefully uh, hopefully fans will rally around this team. I think uh, I think they got the campus community excited, which is a good thing. I think it will be obviously the the Friday night game against Florida State will be huge. The spotlight will be on, and you know, the fact that you have four home games in September that's that's a big boost as well because you know October could shape up to be a rigorous month. But first things first, you get these two behind you with Maine and Howard and you know Howard by all accounts is not a very good FCS team this year they have been in the past but not this year so you know you get by Maine you get Howard coming in next year you could probably play the second and third string I hope uh, a little bit more than you would this week would be my guess and then uh, you know you move on and I think it's a lot of again a lot of good things to come you guys you know your support's tremendous the site's terrific I know a lot of BC fans who read you guys and uh, keep up the good work. Well, we we appreciate it, and uh, again, we'll we'll just say uh, you know Monday nights uh, seven to eight. We, we try to make it part of our media week here, where you know it, it's must listen to because you're our you're our lead in program. We get Monday night with you. Tuesday we can we're digesting it, and then Wednesday we've got some other stuff going on. But you know you're you're kicking off the week with our lead in, so uh, we appreciate all that you do and. Uh, you know, hey, go get them on Saturday. Have a great call this season. My pleasure, guys. Look forward to seeing you at BC, and, and enjoy the week. Thanks a lot, John. We we, we appreciate it. That was uh, John Meter Perel, the uh, radio voice of uh, the Boston College Eagles. Uh, a lot, to, lot said there, AJ, and a lot to uh, to kind of digest on it. And uh, it came right from one of the the closest sources of the uh, of the Eagle team. Yeah, you know, it sounds like we're going to – at least I'm going to have to swallow a little bit of humble pie there with um, regards to his uh, his comments on the offense. Um, he seems really excited about the passing offense, which was something – you know, I am I still think that they're going to pass. I've always been a little bit hesitant on how much, but John seemed to think, you know, he's excited about what they're going to be capable of doing. So that, that made me – I mean, his energy made me excited about watching them and – I'm already out of my mind, crawling out of my skin, excited about BC football as it is. Oh, I am, uh, I am, I am jacked. I've got the juice. Uh, I'm pumped. Uh, I'm trying to think of any word that Pete Carroll would probably come up with, but that is, uh, it, it's really hard to not get excited. And I'll, I'll eat some humble pie too. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll eat the humble pie too, and say, you know, if this team opens up and starts firing it all over the field and gets into that exciting throwing passing football i i will eat the humble pie because that's not something we typically think about but it's really hard to not get excited about this program when you realize the direction it's going in maybe not even this season but judging by the connection that the players have made to the campus community the dark days are behind us and this is this is going to be fun this is just going to be flat out fun
Yeah. Um, I am every year it's, it's my excitement about this team has grown and grown and grown. You know, we had that first year, it was just, thank God Spaz is gone. Thank God we have somebody new. And then we saw the team start to play with some excitement. Then last year we saw BC go out and do it again, but then beat a top 10 team on top of that. The excitement grew and they helped, they almost beat Florida state. I am just ecstatic to see what BC will be able to do this year. What is Adazio? What's the next step? Where is the progression going to go? And, you know, with all the excitement around the program and what he had to say about BC and, you know, I, I, I'm just, I'm pumped. I'm, I can't wait for Saturday. <laughs> exactly. I, uh, you know, there, there is one thing that, that he did say, which, you know, I, I get, and, and I get it now. And, and maybe if this were a, a couple of years ago and, and we go back and, and you look at the schedule and say that about the two FCS teams, it's something we've talked about and hammered to death. Uh, it's something we're going to continue to hammer to death, I bet, next week when, when Howard's coming to town. But when you think about getting this team reps, I don't want them to go out and play very good teams this year. I am perfectly content with the schedule. Yes, it does mean that they have to, they have to come up with another win somewhere, probably over a team that they, that they haven't played. But if it means that they have to play a, essentially a glorified scrimmage, a game that doesn't count in order to get into a bowl game, if it means – that they go out and beat Duke, I'm all for it. Because if you if you take out that schedule and God forbid they play a team that's better, um, you know I, I can't. Uh, New Mexico State they probably would have beaten, or you know a lousy FBS team. But honestly, AJ, if they come out and open up the season with Maine in UMass, Maine in 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 New Mexico State, Maine in South Alabama or any of those teams, people were going to complain because it wasn't a marquee name. I think the only non-marquee name you probably could have slotted in there that would have gotten people fired up was Connecticut. I mean, because that would just would have been wild. But it didn't matter who was in that schedule. If you're getting a guaranteed win, the only difference is that this doesn't count towards the final, the final slate. Yeah, I mean... People are going to be upset, you know, and I, and I get it. And they have every right to. There's different ways to look at the scheduling. I, I think a lot of this anxiety from many people, especially the people that read our site, I think a lot of that anxiety would go in, in anger, would go down if Brad Bates could go out and get a good opponent for next year. I think a lot of people and people that are interested in BC's schedule you know, they look at this year and they go, oh, God, Maine and Howard. And then they look at next year and go, crap, BC hasn't scheduled anyone yet. What are they going to do? If we're going to do this two years in a row, what the hell is going on? And so I can understand where this anger is coming from. And I, I have to wonder if BC was to go out and say schedule BYU, schedule Stanford for next year, a team like that, would this complaining and, uh, you know, would that go away? And, uh, you know, that's, a, I, I, you know, that's the question you have to ask the fans. I don't know if you – fans, if you have something to say about that, give us a call, 646-200-0446. Talk about our schedule. Talk about next year's schedule. We're here to talk yeah. about all of that. Yeah, and, and I think that – I guess my point is that if we go out and play Stanford and get blown out by 50 points, people are going to complain about why didn't we schedule a winnable game. Right, right, yeah, I and, get and, that. And I understand that, and, and it just it, – it's – it stinks because if it's an FBS team like Old Dominion, 
all of a sudden it's a sixth win and you're bowl eligible as opposed to needing to get seven. But I'm not looking for them to win those games either. I'm looking for them to go out and beat Duke. That, I'm looking for them to go out and beat Northern Illinois. And I really want them to go out and beat a team like Virginia Tech or Louisville this year. So if that's what it's going to take to get them to win those games, then I'll be okay with it. If they go 6-6 six and six and don't make a bowl game, people are going to lose their minds, and rightfully so. But we'll worry about we'll, – we'll all cross that bridge when we get to that. I mean, if you want to call in and talk about it, please feel free to do so. But, you know, for my sake, let's wait to see what happens. And more importantly, let's wait to see what happens on Saturday because this is a main team that I know wasn't good last year, probably won't win this game on Saturday. They're not North Dakota State, who somehow manages to beat an FBS team every year after winning a few national championships. But this is a main team that isn't bad in terms of FCS. Steve Adazio talked about it. I know he's just giving them their due. And, and honestly, AJ, as I kind of turned the page to the main team, they're a team that, that battered Boston College to open up the game before BC righted the ship. There was a USC hangover last year, and Maine capitalized. You can't come out and just take this game for granted because Maine is well-coached, and they're coming down with a purpose. You want this game to be over early, not close in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's kind of been BC's M.O. under Steve Adazio against these FCS schools. You know, they started off slow, and, and, and I'll, I'll even throw UMass in that, that group because they're basically an FCS school anyways. Um, but Villanova, they started off slow. Maine, they started off slow. UMass, they started off slow. It's been kind of their thing. And, you know, eventually they write the ship. You bring up a good point. This is a young team. Young teams make mistakes. Will they come out slow again on Saturday? I wouldn't be surprised. I hope not because I'm going to be only there for the first half because of a friggin' fall wedding. But, uh. and, and if I have to leave and BC's up by, like, seven points, I'm going to be BS. But, you know – I want to see the Eagles. I want to see – maybe that's a separate progression in terms of how Adazio coaches. BC to go out there, you know, hold Maine to like two, three outs right away, a couple of them, and then march down the field. I want to see Wade, you know, make a big play or, or, or Alton score a quick touchdown to really set that tone. You know, that, that could be a big boost for this team is to really set the tone right off the bat. Yep, ab- absolutely. And, and, you know, this is a main team that's coming in with its own questions. Um, they have two quarterbacks in camp that are trying to win a starting job. Jack Cosgrove, who is, uh, by all accounts, I've talked to a number of people who who know Jack Cosgrove and and know of him through the years. Uh, they've sent kids from their high school up to up to to Maine to play for him. Uh, he is a fantastic man. He is a uh, he he doesn't really get irritated he doesn't get upset i mean he's a football coach so he gets fired up and i'm sure he'll he'll make some comments that are that are towards the fired upside but he's gen he's genuinely a, a nice guy behind the scenes he's coming in with a quarterback controversy uh dan collins is a junior drew belcher is a sophomore belcher had to play last year collins uh rotate i believe collins got hurt uh they're coming in with a, a bunch of guys that they're not really sure what's going to happen uh, Collins struggled. He only went two and four before he was injured. As I'm looking at this against Stony Brook, Belcher played in four other games. He actually led the team to consecutive wins, including a win over the number eight ranked team in in the FCS, which is a conference opponent against Richmond. 
They know they're going to be facing a very, very hard front seven from Boston College. But at the same time, these are guys that want to go out and compete because their starting job the next week against Tulane is going to be up for grabs. And more importantly for the main Black Bears, they have an FCS schedule that they need to get ready for. And these are just as important to them as any other game. They might be considered paycheck games to us, but they open up the season at home and then two on the road, Rhode Island, Richmond, Albany. Those are games that they're going to have to win, and they need to figure out who their quarterback is. Yeah, it sounds like they're gonna. They have a a reason to be playing hard. They all, you know, FCS schools always have a reason to play hard, and um, it sounds like that's gonna be their their thing. You know, going into this game, is they got some. You know, sounds like you've got a better grasp on this than I do. Because honestly, I have to be honest with you, Dan. I haven't looked at anything in terms of Maine's team or Howard's team. I probably won't, but um, I'll take your word on this because, um, you know, I don't want to see BC lose, but it's good to see that there are reasons why they're, you know, they should be taken seriously. Well, and, you know, and, and as you mentioned earlier in the show, Nazio talking coach speak um, about Maine, you want to give them respect, but, you know, I want to see, you know, what BC is going to be able to do against, even, you know, just specific aspects of Maine's game. How are they against the pass? How are they, um, you know, against a pass defense? I want to see what, uh, you know, Wade, can he, can, he get, can he fit those balls in the smaller space? That was something Murphy really struggled with last year. Um, can, he, can, can Wade do that? Well, Maine does have a decent coverage linebacker, which we know that the H-back has played a big role in the slot receiver's uh, have played a big role for Boston College, where the slot can be considered the H-back. Uh, they have a good coverage uh, linebacker in uh, junior linebacker. Chris, uh, I'm going to destroy this name. Christoph Malumba Tishamanga. That, that's what I'm going on. Uh, he had 100 tackles or so last year, and uh, he's the latest in, in what's been a, a solid list of main linebackers. You think of guys who've played for Maine, Jovan Belcher, who, who you know, for, for what it's worth with what happened to him in Kansas City, uh, but he was a good college player. I believe he played safety and a little bit of linebacker. Lofa Tatupu played at Maine before he transferred to USC. Stephen Cooper has played at Maine. Maine is capable of producing guys who are good football players. And, you know, a good football player is going to do well regardless of the situation. Um, you know, Maine, I don't think the, the, their fans are, are coming into this with any preconceived notion, uh, as opposed to what UMass fans did last year, uh, thinking that they're going to win this game. Uh, I, I've been reading a couple of the Maine message boards, and, and they, they don't think that their team is really going to to be even close at the end of the score. What they're looking for is a good first half and then a competitive third quarter. They think this game is going to get away from them in the third and fourth quarter. I tend to agree. But if they can compete in that first half, they're going to walk out of here with a moral victory. But the key is that BC cannot let up. And if they do not blow them out by halftime, uh, they're going to need to come out and make sure that that third quarter, whatever happens in that locker room, that they adjust on the fly just like they did last year against UMass. Yeah, I, I, I you know, I think – what we want to see is, you know, we know what we're going to get out of John Hillman. We know what we're going to get out of Miles Willis and the running backs. But I, I don't want, you know, I want to see them put Maine away early. I also want to make sure that we get some of the, the backups reps too. And I think that's important for a young football team. I want to see, you know, guys like Marcus Outlaw out there, guys like, uh, Tyler Rouse getting more running, uh, you know, getting more carries than John Hilleman at the end of the day. 
Um, and, you know, it would be great to see guys like Jeff Smith in the fourth quarter actually get some playing time. Um, but if BC can't blow them out, we're going to have to leave Hilleman out there to make sure the game doesn't get away with them, away from them. Because if they lose against Maine, oof, that, the, the, the goodwill that Adazio has is going to quickly turn against him. We don't want to yeah, see that it, happen. So. If uh, if that happens, um, I'm I'm trying to think of the right of the right term that I that I can come up with. I might be the first one to the Zakem Bridge. I will lead the race to the Zakem Bridge at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, we actually have a question on our message board. So, always haven't been calling in today, but that's okay. Uh, you can call us in at six four six two hundred zero four four six. See Dan, I'm getting used to the two. Um, <laughs> you can also post us questions on on. Um, on our Facebook page, we're checking that as as the site as the show goes along, and on Twitter as well. Uh, Dougie, who called in last, called in last week, I think, right? Yes, he did. Um, yes, he did. He has a question. He wants to know. Um, we're going to a little bit of a change of subject. He wants to talk about facilities at BC. Is there really a master plan? And if there is a timetable for the plan and an outdoor practice facility, and what would that plan include? And would that plan include a separate arena for basketball and hockey? So he wants to know if there's going to be a practice facility and the immediate plans for BC football. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think we're all on the same page on that one. Um, so, yeah, you know, we've talked a lot about that on the site. Um, people are rightfully pissed off about that. Um, I actually just saw, you know, Georgia football just got an indoor practice facility approved. Um, I don't know what's going on. And, Good luck if you want to go ask BC if they're going to make one. All the power to you because I, I don't I don't know if anyone knows what's going to happen in terms of a, of a practice facility. Um, I, go ahead. I I can't uh, you know it's it's one of those things that it's they got to do something and you know the Boston College Athletics relies on a lot of uh, does rely I shouldn't say a lot but they're going to have to rely on subsidization um, or subsidi- subsidization or whatever the hell the word is they subsidize by the um from the university and and that's not a common practice that's not an uncommon practice it is common practice i think out of the power conference uh power conference schools i think only 20 or 23 actually have a um actually turn a profit on on their football program um so anytime you're asking for money you're asking for what amounts to something out of the university. Now you have to remember that anytime there's funding that's coming from a university, um, that there's going to be, you know, the pushback on it, all that stuff. There's all the other, the stuff you have to wade through. Um, I'm not speaking for Boston college because I honestly don't know what happens up there. It's pure speculation on my part. Uh, so please don't take this from, uh, as, as Holy gospel, um, no pun intended because I'm talking about a Jesuit school. Um, but when you're looking at, at the situation, uh, you know, if the university is going to open up that checkbook and is going to pour the money into athletics, whether they have it or not, whether you believe they have it or whether you don't believe they have it, they need to offset the costs elsewhere, whether it's on Title IX, whether it's in academics, they just aren't going to, to build it. And, you know, Boston College has 31 Division I programs that are scholarship. They have to fund more programs than any other ACC school, period. They have the most Division I programs. They have to give funding for those. There's scholarship money that's entailed. The money gets stretched substantially thinner 
when you're not dealing with the same type of fan base that a Florida state has. So, you know, with the cost of attendance kicking in and all that, I don't necessarily see it as something that's in the near future. That's just snap analysis. Uh, hopefully that's a something of an answer for somebody. I hope that, you know, someone out there is listening that can say, you know, hopefully one day the money does come and hopefully one day there is an indoor facility. I don't think it's going to be built in the next couple of years, but hopefully that's a call to arms too. I know I'm rambling right now, but AJ, I'm going to, I'm going to spit this one at you. I take, when I say something like this, I know that I am going to get absolutely obliterated on this one. Why oh, can't I know. I, and I almost wanted to jump in with the devil's advocate, uh, um, point of view on this one with uh the 2.6 million dollar endowment and the light the way found um campaign and blah 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 so um i'm sure you're gonna hear that one dan why can't they afford it with the two point and i guess my point is the flint the flint fund does fantastic things let's keep look keep looking into that as an option you know we all we all donate in some capacity with with season tickets and and with concessions and and you know with the tailgate fees and all that but you know, it, it let's make it let's make it our thing. Let's make the call to arms. Let's let's keep pressuring. Let's keep asking for it. And if you feel the if you feel compelled to donate for it, donate for it. I mean, ask the ask the donors to be able to do it. So, uh, you know, it's it's a really tough thing to talk about. If you couldn't tell by the fact that I'm I'm trying to squirrel my way out of anything, um, but it's you know we'll see what happens with it. it the the fact is right now. BC's doing an an adequate job of doing a very good job. Uh, And by that, I mean the coaches are doing a fantastic job given the hand that they've been dealt. They deserve our unconditional support as for the time being. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens down the road. But for this year, let's just support what we got, no matter how little it is. Yep. And I think that's, um, I think that's where we're at. You know, Uh, these kids are not the ones out there making decisions. If you want to complain about, you know, BC athletics, go complain to the Flynn fund, complain to the athletics department, complain to father Leahy. But I think at this point, you know, we got to support the kids. These kids see the, us in the stands. They see how we get into games. And, and that makes a difference with the kids that want to come to our school. You know, if, if they're out there looking and seeing a fan base, that's just pissed because we have two FCS schools. Those, you know, those kids are going to, and they're not coming to games those kids are going to go to another school. They're not going to say, Oh, I want to go to BC. There are kids visiting. You know, I haven't, I, I have to look at more at uh, who's visiting, but I bet you there's going to be at least some solid recruits coming to Maine and Howard, Maine and Howard game. Get off your soapbox about how much it sucks to play two FCS schools. Get out there and support the team. If you're in the area, because you want marquee players here. You want those high recruits. You have to show up get off, you know, you know, get off your duff. Exactly. You know, bitching about it on Twitter and, and other social media sites isn't going to do anything. So um, we need to fill the stands as much as we can. Yep. And, and and you know what? It's an interesting point that you bring up in terms of filling the stands and the support level. And, and this is our call to, to the fans, too, to come out on Saturday, um, you know, come out to all the different things that are around for Boston College, you know, the fan days and all that. Uh, talking about the, you know, meet, like, like John has his show Monday. If you're in the area, go to the show. You know, see Steven. Steven Dazio is out in the public eye. It does not cost admission. What's it going to cost you? A, a, a couple of bucks. It's going to, you know, for a bar bill. A, you know, you order an appetizer and you get to see 
Steve, you know, have a beer have, if you're of age. Have a beer, have an appetizer, watch Steve Adazio talk right in front of you. Who knows? Maybe you get to have a conversation with him and wish him luck. You know, for you, that's that is gonna. I remember when I ran into him on a on a beach and I was like floating for the rest of the weekend. You know, I just happened to walk by him and you know said, "Oh, I can't wait for this season." And I just was floating the rest of the weekend because there he was, the head coach. You know, you go down to the restaurant, you'll be able to see him, you'll be able to listen to him. You know, it will feel great. And if you're able to come out and you're looking at kids that are looking at Boston College, if you support the teams and you support positively the the athletic department, you're going to get a very good brand of kid that is able to come here. Look how good they are at recruiting with the lack of facilities. You know, Look at the three stars. We're getting a couple of four stars in. They're getting the right kids into the program. Guys like John Hilleman, like Darius Wade, like Anthony Brown, you know, like you know the Lucas Dennis, who you, everybody knows I've been high on since he was probably a junior in high school. You know, take those guys. They're coming here for a reason. If we support the coaches and we support what they're doing and we support what the athletic department is, you know, the coaches and the staff members, and, and we support what we have. If you build it, they will come. If we come, it'll force them to build it. Yeah, getting butts in the stands and and showing interest and and really building that foundation that BC is going to need to support those, you know, those initiatives is going to be big. You know, people, one of the the things I love, an argument I love reading about is people saying that we need to tear down a lot of nice stadiums and build a bigger one. Now, I have no idea why you would ever do that. And it's not just, a lunatic fringe. I've seen a couple people say things like this. You need to build up to that. You, you, you know, just building a 70,000 seat stadium is not going to magically get fans in the stadium. Just like building a practice facility is not going to come out of the blue. You need to get fans there. You need to sell out tickets. You need to get interest in the team. And I think, you know, it sounds like we're, 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 uh, you know, going up the company line, but you're right. Like go listen to Adazio talk. Listen to meters, you know, meters show, show the, show the media that, you know, this, these, it's just not the lunatic friends that listen to BC sports. And it's not a, a, it's a big thing and that we really enjoy this kind of stuff. Um, and, 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 and here's a complete side plug um, meters doing that at stockyard. I used to work down the street from stockyard, go down there. That place is great. They have great steaks there. If you're a steak person, I, I would go from the North Shore down there to eat steak. I love the stockyard. So if you're up for a good steak dinner, get a steak dinner and listen to Adazio. I think I think steak dinners, beers, and or whiskey and Adazio all go in the same boat, right? Those are all similar things. Um, hey, I remember now the stockyard. I remember actually closed for a little while and they renovated the inside and like they 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 really went. The food was great, but I know I believe they updated the inside and they have new owners and it's I mean, it's fantastic and. I mean, I, I know I went there for a couple of steaks. I, I wholeheartedly agree in burgers and beers before a game. Uh, before, I was, before I was tailgating, that was one of the stops. And you know what? You can take a step up from Marianne's once in a while if you're a college student and go down there and see the coach. You don't have to go, you don't have to, go to Rogie's every single time. Yeah, you don't need to go down there, and, and you don't need to <laughs> hang out with the opposing <laughs> fan base and city side and whatnot. But, Anyways, yeah. AJ, you know, we've, we've been talking a lot. We talked a little bit about Maine. We talked about the schedule. We talked about the facilities. There's, you know, there's – I feel like we, we kind of beat, beat it in a little bit this week, uh, you know, the fact that there's only so much you can talk about 
the same things over and over on the depth chart. But there is one thing that we ha- that you and I have not touched upon at all. What's that? Special teams. We haven't oh, talked God. about that. Yeah, <laughs> yes. We haven't talked about that kicking game once at all. We have a kicker in, in Alex Howell. How much are you are you are you saying a novena when he goes to kick an extra point, or is your trust in there uh, because he's the punter, he's the kicker, he's the upperclassman? Are are you still praying every time they trot out there, or are you, do you have utmost confidence in it right now? I'm terrified. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm suffering from severe post traumatic stress disorder from last year's kicking game, and until I see six, you know, half a season go by without them missing every other extra point. I'm going to have that nervousness in that pit of my stomach. They're going to miss another one. Um, Howell scares me still. I know he was, I think he was a little better than um, Noel last year. Um, but still reading about it during the, the scrimmages, it sounds like, I, I don't know. It still sounds like it could be something that we're worried about when we, we, we end this week, you know, that they're missing things. still, and they're, they're, they're struggling on those extra points. They're going to need something. They can't go through this season again without extra points and field goals. And I don't know if it's going to be true freshman Colton Lichtenberg jumping in there to do do the kicking. They got to figure something out because they they left, you know, for a team that wins and loses by single digits, they, the, the, the margin for error is way too small for those types of things. You know who my X factor is in this whole thing? So Bobby Swagger. I know he goes, I've got to say, you got to say Swigert, aren't you? <laughs> I'm going to say Swigert. Bobby Swigert, the, you know, we, we've, we've well documented his battles with injuries, um, but he is listed right now on the depth chart as the holder. Um, I like having a wide receiver as the holder because he knows how to catch a ball, number one. Um, as long as the snap is down, it will, it will get to him, and he will, and he will catch it just fine. Um, but here's where I, I am okay with it being with the kicking game right now, and I'm actually pretty confident in it. And, and this is where you and I don't disagree very often, but I'm going to disagree with you. Okay, go I, ahead. I, I think the kicking game's fine. And maybe I'm being a complete Kool-Aid drinker. Maybe I am something short. I did pick Bentley to beat BU in hockey one time, so I guess that – and they did win, so <laughs> I, I'm proving myself right. Uh, the hold is so important. When you catch the ball and you're the holder, when you put the ball down – what is key for the holder is to make sure the ball is facing either A, the right direction, laces out Dan from Ace Ventura, make sure the laces are out, make sure it's not spinning, make sure it's not tilted, you know, make sure it's down so that the kicker can flush kick it, and make sure that your hand isn't covering three-quarters of the ball. My biggest complaint last year on Tyler Murphy was that when he held the ball, he actually had to spin it with his, other, with his non-dominant hand. Because he was spinning it, you know, or he was spinning it with his backhand or something like that. And Mike Knoll, on that extra point that he shanked, besides the fact that he didn't get his foot down right and he was falling off in some nasty turf, you know, he he never quite got it flush with his foot. What I like about Swigert as the holder and where my confidence is, is a receiver really knows how to catch and put that ball down or catch the ball to a spot. And what I think is that if he gets his hands out and he spins and turns the ball the right way, that the kicking game is going to be substantially better. Did I make you feel any better about it? Yeah. I mean, Noel and 
Howell have shown that they can do it in simulated games. So if if it really was Tyler Murphy last year and that was the reason why all of our kickers struggled, and I can see that, I, I, will, I will breathe a sigh of relief. However, if we ever get to a game where it's down, BC's down two points, they get the ball on the five-yard line, and they're kicking a field goal, I'm going to throw up because I, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't care if they fixed it. I, it's going to take me a while to get past that. And, you know, right now I, they've hit field goals. You know, they beat Maryland on a huge one a couple of years ago with Nate Freeze. But literally, right now, I can only think of bad thoughts. I can think of Nate Freeze with the middle schmiddle and last year's pinstripe bowl. And that's all I can think about for BC kicking right now. And I want other thoughts. I want, I want you to know that my fridge is substantially – you had to bring up middle schmiddle. Yeah, I had to bring up middle schmiddle. <laughs> you, you don't like – do you hate babies? Do you hate kittens? Do you hate America, AJ? You brought up, you brought up middle schmiddle. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I I bring up those things that should never be spoken. It's like Voldemort. The that should that should be not named is Middle Schmiddle. There, I'm tweeting that line out. Do you hate kittens, AJ? There you go. <laughs> um, all right, last piece, of, last order of business. Let's look outside. Let's look at the ACC on the whole. We'll 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 bring this home after this. We've we've beaten the Boston College game into into the ground. We, we've got some great content coming up this week. We've got the, the two-minute drill dropping tomorrow. Uh, AJ and I banter back and forth. It's a good take. I'll give credit where credit's due. Grant and Joe do a good job with the hockey banter. We liked it so much. We said, why aren't we doing this for football? So we, we hijacked the idea from them and took the idea from them. So we thank them for letting us do it and hopefully you know, making it just as good a job as they do. Uh, of course, we can't say that we do it better because Joe's our boss. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll take it. You know, we give a little, we take a little. They took my final thoughts. They, you know, we'll take their yeah. banter. So. We sh- sharing is caring. Um, exactly. But you know, we've got that dropping. We've got the film study on Friday. Our final thoughts, and of course, uh, I'm taking over the the, gam- the the weekly betting picks, which is awesome because my friends and I are total fantasy degenerates. Um, we we could, you know. We we can we can bet with each other on anything if gambling were legal in, in the state of Matt. Actually, it sort of is, so that works. Um, but be sure to tune in this week. We've got some great content. We've got Mark Rogers TV tomorrow preview previewing the Atlantic Division. I know I'll be on there. Ryan Cantor from Shaking the Southland, the Clemson blog. He'll be on there. Good guy, good analysis. So get excited about that. There'll be plenty of plenty of stuff. I know I'm excited about, even though I'm rambling incoherently. Next last order of business. We look outside the conference. North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia Tech, Alcorn State, or we look outside BC in the conference. Duke's playing Tulane. Uh, Florida State, I think, is playing somebody. Syracuse is playing Rhode Island. Uh, There's some games, or at least there's some interest factor in there. Um, Is there anything that you're interested in? And, of course, uh, I'm forgetting one. Louisville and Auburn. Yeah, Louisville and Auburn, and Louisville, Ohio State. Louisville and Auburn. Ohio State's going to Virginia Tech. Uh, there's a lot to get excited about here, AJ. Yeah, um, you know, that I, I am looking forward to Louisville and Auburn most of all because I think that's going to be an interesting game of you know the rock and the uh, you know a movable a move immovable object and a, a unstoppable force. Uh, Louisville is going to have one of the nation's best defenses and Auburn's offense is going to be dynamic. It always is under Des Mills on. 
I'm I'm really excited to watch that game to see how Louisville sets can up I, their season. Can I give you some bad news? Yeah. Gus Malzahn, defensive yep. coordinator of North Carolina. Oh, not Gus Malzahn. What the hell is his name? <laughs> oh, God. The guy with the, gla- the blink with the glasses. Huh? Oh, God. Well, maybe it Everyone is Gus Malzahn. I thought Gus Malzahn. Oh, well, Muschamp's there on the – no, Gus Melzon's still in Auburn, so who the heck went to North Carolina then? Um, oh, God. Oh, I was right. Uh, Auburn's yeah, you, uh, uh, this is going to kill me. Oh! Gene Chiswick. Chis- Gene Chiswick, that's it. Yeah, yep. God, you made me feel stupid there for a second, Dan. <laughs> I felt stupid there for a second. I feel really stupid right now. <laughs> Well, anyway, so yeah, oh, yeah, Gus Malzahn's still there. Will Muschamp's the defensive coordinator in Auburn. Yes. Yep. And uh, he's back to where he should be because he was a disaster as an off- as a as a coach. Yeah, um, but we thank good... him for that because he gave us Tyler Murphy. He did give us Tyler Murphy and yep. Matt Patchen and Ian Silverman for being a horrible coach. So that's good. Um, my last thought. I have one final thought before I go. Um, I'd like to say um, I want to just rail one last time against fall weddings. I have to leave early, um, as I mentioned to Meter, um, or you, earlier um, in the first half on Saturday. I hate fall weddings. Um, and if you are a bride or a groom and are considering um, scheduling a wedding on a Saturday, you hate America. And I wish divorce upon you. No, I don't really. But you know what I mean? Like, don't do that. Please. Let's let's right. we, let's let's start a movement here. Stop Saturday weddings during college football season. That's I, my last I had a I had a I had a Saturday wedding during November right before Florida State Week. Yeah, but yours was an away game, so that was okay. True. <laughs> when I saw Fact. the schedule come out, and I saw that I had a wedding the first game, and I don't care if it was Maine, it's that first game. You know that for me that has excitement in general because I get my tailgate and all that. And then I was like, oh, shit, I have to miss this game because of <laughs> I know you didn't. I know you didn't want to say that, and then it was just like, you know what? We're not regulated by the FCC. Let's just let it go. Exactly. I went with what I had to say. So that's my last thought. Um, you can wrap it up, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I, I will because this is, this is getting awkward now. Thanks a lot. No, uh, the last, last two things are the two games that I'm actually pretty pumped about. Number one. I'm excited to see how many points Baylor can actually score at SMU. You're taking one of the worst teams in college football, and you're taking a team that's one of the best teams in college football. It's like a social experiment uh, that just ends poorly. I'm actually really excited for that. I am taking Baylor with the points on a 34-and-a-half point spread. Uh, that, I'm giving wow. away one of my picks on Friday, but I am taking Baylor with those points. Uh, and the second, game, the, the second game I'm excited about, and I'm throwing shade in the process, Syracuse. Syracuse is playing Rhode Island. If Syracuse does anything remotely resembling what they did last year against Villanova, we know that Syracuse is going to be a garbage team this year. Um, and, and that's a really horrible way of putting it. But they, were, they, they took two overtimes to beat Villanova. They get Rhode Island at home. I know the Troy Noons guys, uh, the Noons Magician guys, they're really good guys. They, they probably, but you know what? It's really funny when you get to watch guys like them, and, and Syracuse is, is just is just going down the toilet. Uh, they're they're yeah. in for a real bad year, and and if they, I hope Rhode Island gives them a heart attack game. I just think that would be awesome. 
my roommate in college and uh, one of my best friends uh, is a diehard roadie fan. And cheap plug for him, he writes for the site Roadie Rampage, uh, which is one of the only Rhode Island blogs I've ever seen. Um, he, uh, I, as bad as Syracuse is, there's no way they're going to lose to Rhode Island. Rhode Island is one of the worst teams in FCS. <laughs> and according to my friend, they're not any better this year. So um, I, I think Syracuse is going to walk the floor with them. Oh, that's going to get ugly. It's it, but it would be it would be nice if if Rhode Island at least put a scare into them. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to see that too. Well, we'll wrap it up because uh, you know that's that's where we're heading with this. Uh, you know, the, I guess just the last point that before as we wrap it up is that really do appreciate John Meter Perel jumping on with us. We I know we have some fun here on the on the radio show. We get a little punchy, uh, but you know, any time we get to interview a guy like John who's close to the program, um, you know, people might call me out and say that you know, well, you, you criticize his broadcast style. Yeah, I did, and you know what? After you get an interview and you get to talk to the guy up close. Hard to say he didn't win me over. That was a fantastic interview tonight. And if you really can, we urge everybody to tune in Monday nights. In addition, bring a radio, headphones, whatever you got. Bring your iPod and, and listen in on the uh, or your iPhone and listen in when you're at the game. I miss the days of plugging on your headphones while you sat in the stands and listened to the broadcast as it happens. Yeah, um, I, I was very happy to have John on. And um, I'm really looking forward to listening to some more of his shows to see what Adazio says. Dazio is just amazing to listen to and generally he's a fun guy that you know he's got that energy and that way of talking to listen to him for an hour is going to be a real treat so you know definitely check out his show yeah and and I like that he's taking the approach of the B, the BC football show and and you, that that tells me you're never going to know who's going to drop in it's going to be fun for the players it's going to be fun for for Adazio and be fun for everyone to show up who shows up. And I tell you what, the guy who sounded like he was having a lot of fun with it's John Meter Perel. And the only thing that I got to say about him is God, I want that job. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we'll send this one into the night. AJ, you got any final thoughts before we, uh, before we say anything about me, uh, before we, we resume our weekly coverage of Maine. Um, check out my, my uh, Twitter feed at BC uh, hysteria. Um, Friday, I'll dro- I'll be dropping all our predictions. It's already in the queue uh, with my beer and wrap selection, which people can surely complain about. Um, I'll be excited to see what you guys think about that, and um, I'll be uh, I'll be at the BC game on Saturday, at least for the first half, um, eating bagel sandwiches and some beer to start off the game, and having a track out afterwards. But it should be a lot of fun and for a good game. Well, you're a lot classier than me. It'll be uh, it'll be don't it'll be Boston creams and Bush lattes for me. Donuts and beer, all the way. Yeah, there you go, Dan. That's the way to do it. That's America right there. <laughs> Mr. AJ Black, thanks for coming on with me as always. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Uh, we'll break down what we saw the first time against uh, Maine. We'll break down what we saw for the first look at the Boston College Eagles. And uh, then we'll set things up for uh, for Howard as best as we can. Uh, I'm sure there will be some complaints. I'm sure there will be some griping in that broadcast. But at the same time, we're going to look at Howard. We're going to look at the players to see, and we'll talk a little bit about the university because it gives us a chance at least to give them uh, a little bit of, of proper publicity. They are coming up here and taking the check to get absolutely whooped next week because um, that's just not a good fit for them on the schedule. But we'll see how it goes, and we'll talk about it next week when we're on here at the same time, same place, and, uh, well, same not-as-crappy channel, but your same two crappy hosts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Dan, <laughs> well, Dan, we haven't even 
we haven't even included the beer into our uh, copious amount of beer like we had a couple weeks last year. So we're we're, uh, it we're, we're not going there. We are not going there. Anyway, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Peter tonight. laughs> Anyways, folks, right, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, this is awkward now. All right, we'll talk to you next Tuesday, folks. Until then, have a great night. Enjoy the rest of your week. And as always, AJ, go Eagles. Go Eagles. We'll talk to you Tuesday, folks.